speaks is a fundamentalist Christian church. Founder and pastor, Carl Stevens. He intimidates you from the pulpit. Don't you say a sentence, not a sentence, not a line. Don't presume or you'll die. How much did you give? Oh, about seven million. If all the messages of Pastor Stephen. I was guaranteed that angels would come every time I preach. That's the truth. It's just lie after lie. They're trying to divide us from each other, but they're not going to do it as long as I'm pastor, because I know how to handle them, because I'm God's man. Welcome back to Children of Grace podcast. Um, this is Alita. I'm here with Karen, and we are here with some special guests that we're going to introduce in a second. Um, I do want to give you a heads up. We are recording this a little bit differently than we normally would. Uh, there may be some differences in volume and quality, so we do just want to kind of give that a heads up. might be a little bit different than what you're used to, um, but the conversation is going to be fantastic. Uh, some trigger warnings. We will be talking about issues dealing with abuse, uh, both in the sense of bullying and spiritual abuse. We may also talk on some sexual abuse. So we do ask that you take care. If you are listening to this episode, we certainly do not want to cause any harm to anybody. That being said, we are so excited. And we really do think, despite some of the heavy things that we may be talking about, that you're actually really going to enjoy this conversation because I know we have very much enjoyed getting to know our two guests today. Um, so we have with us Dan and Jamie. Welcome, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Hello. Um, Dan, I actually have a question for you right off the bat. You actually reached out to us first. Yes. Uh, you had listened to the episode we did about Carl, uh, the beginnings. With Carl, how did you even happen to find the podcast? Because we actually oh. didn't know you until you reached out. I said, I said, here, there's this Facebook group you should join. And by the way, I, someone on the Facebook group said, there's this podcast you should listen. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. She is our half-sister. Um, and the only reason that's pertinent is because... Um, She's basically a generation behind us in a lot of ways. Um, and so she's going through her own deconstruction, reconstruction process um, a generation after maybe we did ours. And so um, some of those kinds of things that uh, maybe we put to bed, even if we didn't fully process them, she's going through now and going, huh, did you know? And and. We're having some fascinating conversations. We are. I bet. I bet you are. We've we've certainly had our fair share with each other and other family members. Oh yeah, for sure. So your story is very fascinating to us because you actually came from the original church location, if I have this right, from the Woolwich was Cassett area, and you ended Hold up dog. including including that location, ended up in three different locations. So you. If you guys don't oh. mind, like take us back to the beginning. We're 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 very curious to hear how this journey started and how you ended up where you did. Well, Dan and I tend to sort of talk as as one person and and stomp on each other's um, sentences and and fill in. So we do. I apologize in advance, and I will try not to do that thing that we always do. Siblings, but, man. Yeah. Yep. Well, Dan and I are the closest in age to um in our sibling group so we've been we've been doing this a long time but dan you want to start off you have the better memory sure. uh do i um okay so i was born in 1966 not that early and, and not that early but yeah. not too much longer a few years after that and after our younger brother was born um our parents divorced Mom started going to a Bible study in Framingham. Started by listening to Telephone Time. Mm. And that's what led her to Framingham. And our parents are both from a, a Calvinist background in Michigan. So when they got divorced, uh, Mom was trying to figure out what to do. She started going, listening to the radio, 
uh, going to Bible study, they said, hey, come up to Maine and see what we're doing up there. So she started bringing us, um, you know, she'd load the four of us into the Oldsmobile with the the uh, uh, Tootsie Pop sticks stuck to the carpet in back in a even layer and bring it up again the twin size mattress <laughs> what i don't remember the, that the back of Oldsmobile. the back of an Oldsmobile of that era was the perfect size to fit a twin sized mattress and so she would put a twin sized mattress down in the back and then the four of us would sleep like puppies you know oh. just rolling around um as she drove to me awesome that's fantastic very safe oh yeah <laughs> And so, you know, that would have been more or less in 70, 71, somewhere in there, um, uh, maybe 72. Uh, we were um, still in Ashland at some point in 72. Yes. I started first grade in Ashland, and I remember kids uh, on the playground talking about the presidential election, which... Oh, yeah. Was, I remember mom saying she was voting for Nixon. Yeah. In hindsight, that should have been a cue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So we, we go we go up to to Woolwich or was I guess it's technically in Wiscasset. Um yeah. Yeah, whatever. And um um where are we going to stay? Well, there's nowhere for us to stay except um sleeping in the pews in the in the church. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. And and, you know, the five of us, you know, that's where mom was sleeping too. And one morning she woke us up and said something to the effect of, I got a message from God saying that we need to go back to Massachusetts this morning. And we got in the car and we went back to Massachusetts. And she spent the afternoon staring out the picture window in the living room uh, at her sewing table, not doing any sewing at all. And the next morning she said, we need to go back to Maine. We got back in the car. We drove back to Maine. And the church was, uh, 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 you know, half the roof was a smoking crater. And that's where we had been sleeping the night before. Oh, that's when it burned? That's when it burned. No way. Yes. And she was so... Well, I remember the smell, the burned smell of the church, you know, when you walked in. And um, and mom noticed that the great big Bible at the front had not burned. And yeah, I mean, I knowing what I do now, that's not a huge surprise. But at the time, she thought it was another sign, you know, that. Wow, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So after that happened somehow she didn't take that as a warning sign to stay away instead she got us out of massachusetts and the whole i mean the Walsh Wiscasset baptist church split at that point it still exists as a as far as i know relatively normal main baptist church carl stevens followers decamped to bath while they figured out what they were going to do there was a YMCA that we had church in for a while there. I was going to say, before we leave this setting, you guys had told us a story about that church. I don't know if you want to tell it again, um, about Carl being lowered out of a window. Oh, yeah. You want to that's, that's what we would call hearsay, just because, you know, we didn't actually see it. We were in Massachusetts at that moment. Okay. Well, we, it was in we the Boston Globe article. I mean, I, I've seen it in um, in magazine and news articles about it and i, I remember heard that story many that. times would you mind telling it that um carl had uh, uh had um pastoral counseling relations with one too many wives of, of another man and that somebody was came to the church and was was going to at minimum clear the air and maybe you know clean his clock and so as this angry husband is in the front of the church, Elwin Kenny, who was a barrel of a man, he was huge. And of course, I was a little kid, but um, I have the impression that even, even grown-ups thought he was huge. And he uh, took off his belt and lowered Carl out the back window of the church by the belt. 
And, and this was the same moment. The fire. Sorry, this is the same it's... moment that they were setting the fire. Okay, so this was this. These two things went together. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh no, that's that's what I had understood, and I've seen it over and over again from different sources. So it's hearsay, but it's um. It has a few too many details for me to really discount it. You know, it's like, like we hearsay. Yeah, it's like, um, that does sound like somebody had facts at one point. Um, but as you know, depending on 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 what your perspective and your goals are, it doesn't matter. It's just one more example of a trend that we already have established. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I don't really care whether it's exactly true or not. It, I know enough about the characters involved that it easily could be true. Mm. And Carl running health problems certainly seem to be a trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we go to Bath. We go to Bath. And uh, I remember the, the, the big brown church that, that services were held in for a little while. And I got enrolled in a second uh, first grade classroom uh, where I had no business being on a number of of intellectual and development levels and had a horrible time. We lived in a house that I walked past a couple of years ago uh, going, wow, that's it, uh, with another family who, um, I can't even remember their name, but it, we shared a an attic with mattresses on the floor. With, mm -hmm. um, and I remember things from that. Like he had a box of of vitamin pills, mostly, and and candies and and things. But thinking back on it, it's like he's got a box of pseudo pills, and he's playing being the dealer. Oh dear, oh, boy. <laughs> Well, you know, his older brother had some creative enterprise as well. Mm -hmm. But it was it was not necessarily a happy living situation because we were crammed in there with people who we hardly know and who were, I remember them just being reflexively mean. Yeah. In in a way of of it's and this is a cultural thing where some people, there the culture is you you poke at each other. And um, I I think that's a uh, a main French thing um, is is more likely for that to happen. But uh, yeah, we were there for several months, and I had a horrible time. Uh, even though I was you know I was I was in first grade, and home was a block and a half away, but I still got lost once. And was like in tears because I tried to go around the block the other way and and nobody looking out for me. So then we moved to South Berwick. Um, so you guys moved to South Berwick and this is where we have some commonality because that your apartment was part of what ended up being the apartment that we grew up in, in South yeah. Berwick. I think that's yeah. just insane. I do too. I could all, you know, yeah, the email. The, the top floor of the apartments, um, if you followed the rail from the front door and just kept going round and round and up and up, that rail ended at our door. Nope. And um, mom would set up her sewing machine on the um, the space that was just outside that door. So in the public, it was a very wide hallway. Um, but yeah, she had her old green singer that was... You know, I don't know if it was iron or what, but this thing was, you know, there for the from the river. It was likely a Japanese knockoff, which are very good quality, but singer, they were generally black. Interesting. I'm sorry, I'm a sewing machine person. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. But, but I remember her sitting there with her folding table and her sewing machine, and you know, she was a very accomplished seamstress. And in what little spare time she had, she would sometimes make clothes for us because, you know, we couldn't afford that. Yeah. And your apartment was like a one-room situation, right? It was three rooms. Three. Okay, three. Three and tiny ones. So Mom and Jamie had the very corner, and my brothers and I had the next one back, the second window back along Paul Street, if you're going that way. And then just as you walk in, 
there's a front room that we had a uh, a gate leg folding table and cedar chest. Her cedar chest and and I remember sewing in there. Oh yeah, a hot plate because there weren't we didn't any do meals on Sunday nights. So on Sunday night, mom would cook for us on the hot plate. Shells and cheese. Yep. I, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I want to say, I think our mom had mentioned that along the way is that they had somebody that cooked, I believe, down the cafeteria. Is that correct? They had a family. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, um, because Carl had started out as a bakery truck driver, this was the bakery. Oh. They were the ones wow. that ended up running the kitchen. You guys are connecting a lot of dots for us. I mean, that was basically our nutrition for as long as we were in Four and a half years. Wow. Dan, how long? Four and a half years, based on what grades I was in, because I spent four years in Stevens Christian schools, uh, and there was- Southern Maine Christian schools? (laughs) Yes, Southern Maine Christian schools. And then uh, before that, there was that- half a year between when we moved in in the spring and when the the church school started that fall mm-hmm. and in in that in that period my third school for my first year of first grade um and then four years southern main christian schools and just before uh the start of the school year we moved to lee so that we could be attached to the Lennox campus. There is our our church site number four. Okay. Well, yeah, I just, I mean, I rem- I finished third grade. I, I probably started third grade in, um, in Ashland. And then was transferred to um, wherever, what was that, um, Bath, or wherever we lived with that family. And then I finished third grade, I know for sure, um, in South Berwick, in the public school system. Okay. And then I started fourth grade in the newly relaunched um, school system. Um, New location. Mrs. Same. Snipe. Yeah. yeah. So Mrs. Snipe was um, the teacher who she had first through fourth grade all in one room, which meant Dan and I were in the same classroom. And, um, well, because, because Jamie went on to fourth grade, I had to repeat first grade because, you know, switching my school twice during the school year while I was technically too young to be in school in Maine anyway, and everything else that was going on. Um, Dan and I have talked about how the chaos has affected certain types of development in us. I mean, both of us have a real hard time remembering names. And we think that it's because there was so much chaos and there were so many different people coming in and out of our lives so quickly that, um, you know, at some point my brain just went, you know, I don't have to remember this. I'm going to stop doing it. So the other part for me is that I, I identify as an Asperger's kid, even though in that era, we didn't do that. We didn't have that diagnosis. But if I wasn't an Asperger's kid, I wouldn't have piped in with it's green. Therefore, it was probably a Japanese singer 15 clone because that's just an Asperger's thing to do. But it also means that I was the sensitive kid that got picked on by all the other kids. Mm. You would say, Mom, they're bothering me. Well, you can just go away then. If somebody bothers you, you can just ignore them and walk away and that's how it's very it easy target i have to say i was a very Took a lot of crap yeah hard to walk away when you live in the same building as people yeah and it sounds like there were quite a few people packed into that building during those oh, years yeah. and learning buildings and and some people who really shouldn't have been there i remember when we moved in we were the first people to move into the third floor and we didn't have much, but mom brought the two uh, living room chairs that we had in, in Massachusetts. And there was this old guy who was like, like old enough that he wasn't all there in the head and he did not have bladder control. Mm-hmm. And he sat in that chair in the hallway 
until he died. I mean, who are we talking about, Dan? I can't remember the guy's name, but it was the, you know, he, he had this move when he had to get up, he like took a couple of rocks at it and mm -hmm. got, you know, oh, quarter way up, back, bounce, halfway up, back, bounce, all the way up. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he was, I don't know his story. But... Was he the guy with the matchstick crosses, though? No. And, and there was the, because he ended up living on the second floor, um, and um, he he had some trouble with his speech. I don't know if he'd had a stroke or what. Um, looking back, I kind of suspect so. Um, but um, um, he, he uh, once dropped his pants in front of me and asked me to rub him with baby powder. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. And, um, you know, it was like handing me the baby powder as he's saying, now you won't tell, right? And, um, yeah, so I left. And uh, never... How old were you? Again. How old? Yeah. Um, fourth grade. So, damn. I am so sorry that happened to you. Again, it was one of those things that was just... Yeah, I, I filed it under weird in my head. I didn't... You know, it wasn't like something negative to me. It was just like, wow, that was a really weird thing to ask. I don't wonder why he would do that, you know, and then I just sort of put it away. I think that says something about the culture there, too, though, that it just felt like a weird thing, but not an abnormal thing. Yeah. I remember there was there was one guy who was in his 20s, and he was a smoker, which was an odd thing there, because, of course, that's... And I remember... And that's all... why I started smoking in my teens. I, he lived at the far end of of the third floor from us, and there were those tiny little rooms in the back corner. Mm -hmm. um, he lived in one of those, and I remember at one point, Mom saying, stay away from him without giving any reason why. And I never really saw the reason why, other than he's a smoker. Yeah, well, and it might have been enough. You know, it might have been enough. Not right with blood. Or there might have been something more. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. And then there's even the 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 regular people. There was one old guy that lived on the first floor with his wife. And I remember I was like out after the nine o'clock curfew because I'd been told to do something and been given permission. And he 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 saw me and started, uh, you know, why are you out after curfew? And I said, because, because I was told that, and he lit into me and Jamie, you were talking about, you know, blanking out. That was one where I got the, I got the information back later. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I was like, I have no idea why he, why he went yeah. into a rage at me. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that was one of the people who was supposed to be comparatively sane. Was there a curfew for everybody or just kids? Just kids, I think. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Dan, do you remember? Mm, give me some more. Um, he had some. Um, he had some cognitive deficits, but um, it was more about psychological and emotional. I mean, he'd seem fine, and then he would. Um, start fighting and, you know, three or four guys from the church would have to kind of wrestle him to the ground and take him away somewhere. Oh, no, I um, don't remember him. But, yeah, I remember playing in the basement one time, and it was the basement of that first um, building. One front of... room in the basement. That oh, was like huh? a game I... room or something. Yeah. I was down there playing, and D halfway down the stairs and was clearly um, having a bad day. And I don't remember exactly how how it came about that there were people to come take him away. I just know that I was hiding around the corner while three guys were wrestling with him on the stairs. And then, you know, basically, you know, duck walked him back up and, and away somewhere. But he was someone that, um, you know, and he was probably in his early 20s maybe, um, and his parents had decided that when he was at the Bible Speaks, he um, 
it was good for him in terms of his deficits and illness. And so they made sure that he had what he needed to live there. I also maybe it got him out of their house for all I know. But, um, but there were several times when, um, started, um, some rather dramatic physical fights and, uh, terrified me as a kid. I can only imagine. Yeah. I was mostly terrified by the other kids. Yeah. In the first year that we were there, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Southern Maine Christian School was there in South Berwick. A year later, they had purchased the property in Scarborough. Mm -hmm. Thus commenced three years of riding the bus for an hour each direction every school day. Was this Carl's school? Yeah. Oh. I and... probably throw out just as a disclaimer that that is very different than the school that is currently on that property. It is not the same thing. Oh, not the same. Oh, yeah. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember oh. they bought the building and started having services there um, because the building had I'm guessing it had been abandoned or something, or certainly not um, inhabited in any way. Um, because I remember going into it for the first time and seeing just like piles of dead flies in front of the windows. Um, they Up had to the yeah. left in back. There was a a, a room that uh, that especially had not been touched, and like dead flies that thick. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was memorable. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. actually used to be a, a convent. The front part of that building was where the nuns lived, is my understanding. In South Berwick. Yeah. Uh -huh. And the town. Yeah, we're oh. talking about, about Scarborough now. About yeah. Scarborough. Okay. okay. The flies were in Scarborough. Oh, okay. Although there probably were some in South Berwick at some point <laughs> as well. But. Yes. I mean, the, the room that my mom and I had that later your family had, that front corner room, mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, there was just one bathroom down the hallway, but yep. there were sinks in every room. Oh, yes. That's because of the nuns. Yep. The nuns would wash up. Yeah. Yep. I remember. Our lady of obsessive compulsive hand washing. <laughs> or so. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I had ever, like, that had ever stuck with me before. But now that you say it, there were things about every room in the house. I never questioned it. I never did either. Oh, weird. Mm -hmm. There was okay. a thing in our bedroom. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I remember it. And it was a little sink. You really, there wasn't a whole lot you could oh, yeah. do. Right. It's not like you could fit a body part in there. Oh. Brush your teeth. Well, if you try hard enough. Yeah, that's it. You could brush your teeth. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. And I remember a slot car going into one when it overheated. <laughs> we'll just cool this down. Run the cold water on it for a while. Oh, my God. Oh, slot car. You mean like a, like the toy cars in the yeah. track? And Okay. Yeah. Then I haven't seen those in a long time. Yeah, me either. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, the bus ride up to um, to Scarborough from South Berwick. Um, it was just long and unregulated. And for me, it was a chance to either interact with my peers unpleasantly or dissociate and look out the window. Mm -hmm. And cool bus ride. yeah, except it was just longer. And I remember, I think it was in second grade that, uh, there was one of the kids on the bus who decided that when we got back to South Berwick, we were going to fight. Oh. And either I was going to defend myself or he was going to kick my And we got off the bus and he immediately started beating on me. And I'm like, I don't want to fight. I'm mm -hmm. not supposed to fight. You know, you're not supposed to fight. And I remember going into Dean Lewis's office while everybody said, oh, well, how, why did this happen? And it's like, well, it's been happening. Were there no adults around when it started? Well, there's the bus driver. There are parents who are there to, to pick up their kid as they got off the bus because it's, it's right there in front of the, the courtyard for, you know, on Paul Street. Yep. Right and the, the gazebo. Yep. One. No, no. No, no, no. Gazebo. That courtyard yard on Paul Street in front of the chapel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And wow. yeah, there was that. I I don't remember for certain I, whether it was the same kid a year or two later. He had a dart, like a dartboard dart. And I remember uh, walking by him in the courtyard. So other side of the the hallway that goes between the front building and the chapel in the mm -hmm. cafeteria. But in that area, and he threw it at me. And, you know, this a, a dartboard dart impaled my back. Jesus. But Ooh. the tip was broken off of it, so it didn't go that deep. But I'm like, hey, he just threw a dart at me. And what happens? Nothing. You know, anytime there was a problem, it's like, well, it's because you're not, you're being too reactive. You want a dart being thrown at your back? A dart being thrown at my back. And I'm being told, and, and just in general, I mean, there was, there was this one guy who was tall, blonde, rumor has it he had been a cop in California. Okay. And I remember trying, you know, I was trying to be a normal kid and kids were playing uh, Mother May I or Red Rover or one of those games where you run at each other, whether you should or not. And I'm like, you know, it's my point to be saying whether they run or not. And they just run straight at me and, you know, slam me against the wall. And at the last moment, I like put up my foot to to defend myself, you know, to try and cushion the blow and this guy's telling me oh well that makes you the attacker what yeah that's what i said so you know there were all of these things where me as the the weird kid we all spent a lot of time in the woods on the far side of of berwick academy i mean i spent time out there now but i've been out <laughs> i don't know i remember like, we used to wander out there and set fires Oh my God. We had a yes. little spot where our older brother had apparently in Cub Scouts learned to build little lean to things and showed us how. So we had our little site out there. And I remember at one point taking down a small tree with the cloth side of a hammer. Oh my God. So like chopping down a tree with a claw hammer. And and we're we're feral. We're out there going, Does somebody own this? Well, somebody must own this land. Will they care? Well, we we'll be quick we'll be sneaky about it the only time i ever saw an adult up there was when mom took us blueberry picking because there were low bush blueberries growing wild up there yes there were yeah the and um there. and there were some ponds that were really awful to try and skate on but mom loved to roller to ice skate and so she would take us up there so that we could ice skate you know that pond is still up there i yes. believe that i hated that thing i never the box is beautiful is the box spring still up there? The box spring by the pond. There was, uh, on the way, there's so you go up, you go up past the power line, and I understand it's now all houses, but there was a field, big hay field, and in the far side of that field, uh, about halfway between the road on the far corner that goes off to the pond and the the other one, there you step into the woods a couple of steps, and there was a spring that someone had dug out and in fine New England fashion put a wooden box around. So if we were thirsty, that's where we could get a drink up there. Oh, I don't think seen it anymore. If it is, I haven't seen it. No, and I'm, I've been out there. So like I said, my husband and I, we like to hike, like take our dogs, go for a hike. Um, we've we've been up and through those woods all over the place. I don't think that's there anymore. But the pond probably in somebody's is. backyard now. The Maybe. other thing... There is some development, but it's really not. It's more toward the outer edges of the woods. It's not really in in all that deep. Mm -hmm. But this is this is the the hayfield is now houses. The other thing I remember is that early on, mom and I can't remember who else it was. Jamie, you might remember, decided they were going to run a nursery school in the um, front building, first floor, all the way back all the way against uh, the room in the corner there against Paul Street. Mm, I don't remember that. And uh, they were talking about what to do with the kids because I think they were working with kids younger than us because we were in regular school at that point. Yeah, it was probably preschool kids. But they, uh, they were walking back in the woods back where we were talking. There's a little stream there and they were 
walking in the stream barefoot and found a seam of clay. And mm -hmm. it was, you know, a, a blue marine clay that they were like, arts and crafts supplies for free. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we knew that there was there was this deposit of clay there as well. That I remember room, that. Yeah. That room uh, a few years later became the nursery where where very young children would be put during services. Okay. And it's like, okay, we have childcare and they built basically shelves with cage doors. Isn't that creepy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't they, there last. They date from them. They're not there anymore. No. No, because I'm pretty sure the school uses that space now. Uh, well, no. No, now the front building is, isn't that, uh, it got sold off and it's an inn now. The front building is The front building is gone, now. gone. Well, it's not gone. They renovated they re a big portion of it as a skeleton. They added on to it as well to create. They put in new windows. They took out the, I, I'm going based on uh, Google Street View. Mm -hmm. uh, they took out the corridor between the front building and the chapel. Yes, they did. Yeah, yep. And that's now a drive through And Pretty much, yeah. the back buildings are still labeled as maybe the Bible speaks, maybe something yeah. else. Seacoast Christian, Christian Schools. Christian Schools. And then the front building is called something like the, the Stagecoach Inn or something. It is. It's really nice. It is beautiful. Karen and my mom and my sisters and I actually got a tour of the place when they opened it. Huh. And it's amazing. They've done a very nice job incorporating a lot of the historical things that they found when they were renovating. Um, I don't know if you remember like the tin that was everywhere, the molded tin. Oh, I remember it well. It was like three feet from my face when I was sleeping. Right. They actually took yeah. that and turned it and cleaned it up and turned it into wainscoting. Mm -hmm. well, it looks beautiful. But they found this really old wallpaper. It was the downstairs. Lafayette wallpaper. Yeah. The Lafayette. It, yes. was, it was in the apartment that one of the pastor's mothers lived in on the first floor to the left if you were facing out the front door. Yeah. And they were able to restore that. Oh, good chunk of it, and it's in the dining room. Hmm. In the it's actually we posted a photo on Instagram. It's behind us in the photo. We went yep. and celebrated there for the uh, for the podcast being released. Yeah, figured it was full circle. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> and they have good food. It's great. The um, the the duplex where we lived in Lee for a short time, um. Uh, has since been bought out by the motel next door and is extra motel rooms. And my first wife and I, at one point, were passing through, needed a motel, and slept in what was once our kitchen. Yep. That's weird. Uh, and Rick and I slept in the Christoph's kitchen. This is Le uh, near Lennox? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Lee, Massachusetts. Before we move on to Lennox, I did have a question I wanted to ask you because we, obviously we, jumped on to a chat and got to know each other a little bit before we did this. And one of you brought up a delivery of helicopters in South Berwick? Yes. I have no idea why, but a couple of the, I mean, these are the same model of helicopter as you would have seen in the opening credits of MASH. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, oh, the, the classic, it's a uh, bell. Then there's a number. I can't remember. Bell 47 is the number that comes to my mind, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, and at one point, a, a flatbed semi drove by, and and Don, our our younger brother, and I were looking out the window, going, "Ah, cool helicopters!" And it turns up Paul Street. We're like, "They're coming here!" And for most of that summer, these helicopters with the uh, the white uh, stick-on plastic over the windows and everything. They're all buttoned up because they've been in storage in the desert in the Southwest somewhere for some reason, and they have been bought surplus. I don't know why. Yeah, what did he do with them? Oh, um, get closer to God. I, I, oh, my God. Where did they fly? Like, where? what was their landing and takeoff well, spot? He also, you know, Carl also had a plane and a pilot. And Berwick, I believe so. And we you know, I mean, the... these helicopters working. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but my understand. I mean, they he always had these big cars, and the rationale for it was, well, there's always so many people who want to ride with Pastor, 
And so, you know, so they'd cram a bunch of people into these cars so they could listen to him talk while we were they were traveling. Yeah, everybody was pretty close to Pastor. Oh, they followed him. And culture. At that point. It, you know, everybody was stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, so, things, this, this was definitely a personality cult for sure when it mm -hmm. came to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is just bizarre because he's kind of crabby. And he, he's very soft-spoken. Usually they're kind of a little bit more commanding, but he, unless he was screaming. Yeah. Right. Oh, I thought I did it in the air. Yeah. He had that softer trying to con you voice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I think I mentioned this in the our conversation earlier. How there was one point when I was, it was within a couple of years of when I finally made my escape, and I was standing in front of the library in Lenox waiting for my ride. And he pulls in, and he's riding, but he pulls up. The vehicle stops in front of me. The window comes down, and he says, "Hi." Oh God, I remember that voice. And I I say hi. He says, how are you? Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Hi. Uh, hi. How are you? I said, didn't we just do this? Was he, um, you wouldn't. Snowed out of his mind? I asked to ask. Possibly. Um, yeah. My well, that would have been around Cosmic Right Era. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're not. It's okay. We've heard rumors about uh, potential drug use, so I was just curious. That's a little bit weird. Uh, yeah, it's. I've heard it's the same one in moment. One moment as a relatively older person that I remember having a direct conversation to him, and there was nothing there. Nice. Wow. So you guys moved to Lennox when he moved to Lennox, is that correct? Maybe a year after the will of God became Lennox. Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Or when it became too crowded for him, one or the other. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but of course, we moved not to Lennox, but to Lee. Okay. Right. Um, and then, you know, we were in Lee for a few months, I think. And then um, mom came home one day and said she was getting married and that we were all moving. That, um, Separately. Oh. Yeah, separately. Yeah. So, well, David was already in the men's dorms, I think. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. No, he remember he moved to Lee for a little while. They built that room for him in the basement. Yeah. And then after that, he moved to the the teenage boys' dorm, and I moved to the teenage girls' dorm, and Dan and Don um, ended up, yeah, we there was a second yeah. a second place in Lee that was uh, is up on the hill, not too far from the from the nursing home in Lee. They called it the married people's dorm, something <laughs> like, and it was it was concrete block dorm rooms um, that you know you could you could imagine them as singles in a in a normal college. It had a very and, prison vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we had the four of us in there. In what room? The mom, mom and, and her new husband and me and our younger brother. Okay. Maybe and, the triple bunk beds that they had where all three of my brothers would sleep in one room on the triple bunk beds. Mm -hmm. Well, mom and her new husband had the bottom bunk. Okay. Sounds cozy. Yeah, it's one word. No, no, and and the food was basically trucked in from Lennox, and was uh, I remember the rice was like, what is this plastic pellety stuff that you're saying is rice? I've never had rice like that before or since. Maybe it was some kind of orzo pasta, but the food was just weird. Huh. And and next door to that there was a, um a large Victorian Gothic uh, house that I don't know what the history of the place was, but clearly this was the nice house and we weren't in it. And, but otherwise it was, you know, the same idea of every morning you're catching some kind of a ride to Lennox to go to school. And now, how far was Lennox from Lee? 
Oh, next door. Next. Yeah, I mean, by by my mod, my current standards, you know, the the towns in Western Massachusetts are very close together compared to the towns in Maine. Okay. So it it was probably something like five miles, maybe. Um, during my later years, uh, in that area, um, because we moved from that place in Lee. Then we got the the house that was rented in uh, on Sloan Street in Pittsfield. Sloan Street is actually just an alley, like a two track, but that was our address. And we were there for several years where it was uh, Jamie was there. I was there. Don was there. Uh, two of our step brothers plus a step cousin were there um, and. And our stepfather was running his his vinyl siding business out of the place too. Wow! So, so it, vinyl siding, roofing, and uh, cellulose insulation. Um, can I jump in there? Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there had been a a huge I don't know family room, living room, something like that area, and he took that over as his office. Um, and it was it was a it was a big room, you know. I mean, it had room for four desks and work areas and stuff. Um, twenty by twenty. But it, unfortunately, that meant that everybody that was working for him at any point um, had pretty much free run of the the first floor of the house and would wander around and get coffee and all that kind of stuff. And so it it became a real. Oh, how do we put this? Um, Okay, so my my stepsister, um, who was uh, a high school student at the time, something like that age. Um, anyway, she happened to be downstairs and walked into the office area. And, you know, we're talking, you know, 81, 82. So um, her nightgown that she was wearing was the kind of style that conservative girls wore at that time, which is, you know, one of those granny ones. So it was heavy flannel up to the neck and down to the sleeves and, and down to the floor. And she walked into the office room wearing this and her dad just lit into her about, you know, you're, you're tempting my employees and how can you walk around in front of men dressed like that? And, and, you know, I'm a man, I understand why that might be, you know, so the whole house was not a safe place, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, he had a he had a temper. He would he would fly off the handle and yell at us. I was never physically hit, but the the emotional side of it all for a kid who's already getting beat on everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, now you uh, have no safe space at all. Right there was there was one point during that era that uh i mean the, there was a playground area in south berwick that had basically one swing and it was a rope with a knot that big at the bottom of it and i was in the general area of that and another kid who i'd known from south berwick and who wasn't in the school in lennox but who was the son of the maintenance guy saw me on the playground and just started beating on me and at one point i managed to stand up and I said, why are you doing this? He said, because I hate your guts. Where were the adults during all this? Were they like, what adults? That's what I'm saying. Like, like the same as South Berwick, you ran free. Yeah. Wait, were they working or were they at Carl's Bible College? What was happening? Well, this was, this was the school just after the school day had let out. Okay. And I was like out there waiting for my ride or waiting for something. And... He he says this to me, and it's the one punch I've landed in my life. I punched him in the eye. I turned around and I walked away looking for an adult. I did not find an adult. Instead, he ran up behind me with all the other kids present, cheering him on, and drop kicked me, and then ran skipping off, laughing mm. after he'd just beaten me up, and eventually some adults showed up including his dad and i got to tell his dad exactly what had happened i never i've never seen him again but uh 
I walked up to town. The buses came through Lenox once an hour and yeah. I'd missed the bus and I'd gotten, I'm trying to remember the names. I, I will not remember the names of the roads. There's the main drag that goes from Lee to Pittsfield and Lenox is a little bit off of that. And okay. I had just made it up that far when the bus went by me and I was like, I'm going to let it go. And then another bus an hour later when I was just about to the Pittsfield line and I was like, I'm just going to let it go. And I got home and I didn't say a thing to mom because why would I? Why would I, you know, nothing is safe at school. Nothing is safe at home. Why should I tell her anything? Because nothing is going to happen. Wow. A year or so later, we moved from that place in Pittsfield to uh, South Lee, Church Street, South Lee. Um, and, and I'm going to jump in here again because I I was present at the Sloan Street place um, and I had started high school again. This was when, when the whole thing with Betsy happened. And okay. so I, uh, through 10th grade, I was at uh, Stevens Christian Schools. And, you know, had been told my whole life about how lucky I was to be there because public schools were awful. They were terrible. They, um, they, everybody got beat up and murdered and stuff. And, um. Never mind what was happening to your own family within. Right. Structure you were in. <laughs> exactly. Um, but at, at the end of 10th grade, it was suddenly announced that they were closing the high school and we were all going to public school. So I started 11th grade at Taconic High School in Pittsfield. Um, and, you know, we were considered the tough school because we had four black people. And, um, yeah. Yes, we did grow up with just a little racism, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Just a touch. Right. But, I mean, it was a wonderful school. I got a wonderful two years of education, and I am very grateful for the fact that it's there and I got to go. Um, but after I finished one year in that school, mom announced that they were moving to South Lee, and I was going to start another school in my senior year in high school. And I said, no, I'm not. And I got labeled as, you know, and this is cult speak, the, the rebellious teenager. Oh, that was me. It's not just a descriptor. It's a, it's a term yep. like get thrown away, thrown around as an accusation. Yeah, it's labeled. those words too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was a rebellious teenager. And as I said before, part of the reason for that was uh, one time I wanted to study for a test for the next day instead of go to church and pray about it. And um, and the the admonishment was this world is temporary. The next world is eternal. It's much more important that you study up for heaven than you worry about a math test. And so the next day I I cut school and um, bought two packs of cigarettes uh, and jumped the uh, fence into the cemetery. And spent the day just kind of wandering around the cemetery reading headstones and teaching myself to smoke. Because if I was going to be a rebellious teenager, I might as well enjoy the perks. <laughs> and so, um, by the way, I did, I, I do not smoke and have not smoked for many, many years. And do not recommend it either as a a gesture of defiance or as a, as a personal practice. But But that's how that whole thing happened. Um, but what ended up happening in terms of moving is a a person was located who um they lived within my school district and they went to church at at the bible speaks and they took in boarders and i'd been in a boarding situation before um and so i was able to convince my mother that the um the child support that she got for me was sufficient to pay room and board for this person who took in boarders and um, and so I, I went and lived there, and I finished my senior year in high school in the place I knew. Yeah. But I was basically an emancipated minor at that point. I mean, I, I had a job at a grinder shop, which is New England speak for like a Subway sandwich kind of place. And, um, you know, I earned my own pocket money, and I did my own thing. Wow. Well, we're coming up close to about an hour, so probably you should consider ending this. But I think we should have you guys back because I think there's so much more to we talk have more. and talk I'm about. Sure we have more. 
For sure. I, I definitely want to hear a little bit more about Lennox, but also how you ended up leaving um, the situation you were in with, with Bible Speaks and how you, apparently it sounds like most of you did not follow Carl to Baltimore at this time, that time. None of us did. Well, I had our half was born about that time. And, um, you know, born in 82. So, yeah. So she went with her parents. Wow. Like I said, a generation apart. And then we have an older brother. So the gap is pretty dramatic. Wow. I mean, we can prattle on for a good long time. I think probably ending here is a good ending point because we are kind of at the point where we're at Lennox and we're at Betsy. So that's probably a really good spot to to stop because I think there's going to be a lot of story there. I would I would say that the, the part that I would be moving on to is one of the most um, traumatic things that happened to me. Okay. Middle. Cliffhanger ending for us. A That's cliffhanger. a cliffhanger for us. Yeah. Okay. That is gracious. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Dan, for reaching out and connecting us with Jamie. And, um, and for coming on. You're the first brave souls who have come on to talk yes. to us. Thank you very much. I, we say that knowing full well that it is very difficult. Uh, that is not a negative toward anybody else. Um, it is extremely difficult to tell your stories in any situation, but especially the one we came from. It is very difficult to find the courage to to say that out loud, much less in a public forum. So we well, really we were, appreciate it. You know, I mean, Carl did his best to condition anybody who who might have the temerity to leave that they were, you know, that there would be dire consequences in this world in the next. Oh yeah. So there has to be a lot of deconstruction and and processing before someone's perhaps ready to do that, to yeah. talk about it. For sure. Or talk about it on sure. Yeah. yeah because there are things that we don't even know that, you know, that's the deconstruction again. We don't always realize where the, um, where the bear traps are, where the pits are, where we, where we have, um, you know, where the danger spots are for us. Mm -hmm. So talking about it, we can just suddenly get slammed. Yeah, and start realizing something. That's happened to me and I a few times recording. We've had to like take a minute because it's been like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I met somebody earlier this year who was very open about their trauma history, mm -hmm. and I found it very refreshing when I said, "Well, wait a minute. Those are some of the issues I have too," mm -hmm. and. And I, I, it was a rather stressful weekend on other, I had a car breakdown, but I learned a lot that weekend about being open about these things and talking about them and how, uh, how much relief I can get by saying these things. Yeah. And that's exactly why we did this. Yeah. Shani and I don't know. And also healing people in the process if we can. Mm -hmm. And like. The other element is our, our mother passed uh, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So we don't have that avenue for blowback. For yeah. 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 If we, 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 our dad passed away a few years ago. And I think, I don't think we could have done this while he was still here. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even when the, oh, what it was, the bulletin board, electronic bulletin board, when that started. Um, oh, FactNet? Yeah, the FactNet. Between that and, and some posts, actually, I was posting anonymously on there mm -hmm. um, and and getting away with it <laughs> until my older brother um, chose to out me for no good reason at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he described me in such a way that anybody who, who knew of me would know me immediately. Um when you're the only girl in the family, it's kind of hard to, you know, avoid that when, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, yeah, the the consequences from FactNet um, about what went on in South Berwick and what went on in Lennox. And I got a letter from mom that, uh, you know, the devil was using me and I needed to shut up and um, and all that. And what's interesting to me is that recently, as we've gone through mom's things after her passing, mom kept a copy of that letter, that she kept a copy in her files, apparently. And I'm 
still kind of processing what that means. But, you know, that, that first of all, it was a very, very hurtful, angry letter. And, um, and it followed the script that one would expect from Carl's organization. Yeah. But the fact that she kept it, I don't know if that was like proof in case somebody challenged her on whether she was um, letting me get away with these things, keeping in mind I was in my 40s or 50s at the time, or whether she needed one for her own, I don't know, understanding of faith, that she'd been true to God instead of her daughter. But yeah, constant. I have been... I have been contemplating um, uh, how the Bible deals with child sacrifice because the Old Testament has some real conflicts there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, there's there's Isaac who barely lived, and then there's what's her little name who uh, her dad said, "If I win this battle, I'm going to sacrifice a human. Whoever human comes in my room first after I win this battle, oh look, it's my daughter." And at the same time, there's all of the thou shalt not sacrifice your children on the fires of Moloch. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's an argument that, that the reason why the Hebrew Bible is so emphatic on that is because people were doing it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I know, Dan, you like that First Timothy passage about, you know, women who abandon their families for um, our. I don't think that's one of mine. Oh, you brought it up once, but you know it's we could we could talk Bible geek stuff, and <laughs> we could, yeah. Um, We're definitely gonna have that episode too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, okay. I, I'm more of a more of a uh, is it Matthew 25 or Luke 25? The the whole sheep and goats thing of then is what it really comes down to. In the revised common lectionary, that was last week for some. Hmm. Yeah, you, a lot of churches you know. covered sheep and goats last week. Yeah, and so we can finish up. Let me let me go ahead. We'll end this real quick and unrecord. So let me just find. Before we finish recording, um, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, Children of Grace underscore podcast, or email us at Children of Grace podcast at gmail.com with any comments or concerns, that'd be awesome. And thank you for listening.